Today, before we get started, I want you to take a second and I want you to think about how hard you've worked to get to where you're at right now in this moment. I want you to think about how much you've sacrificed to be where you're at. Along this journey, you've been blessed with a certain uh, stack of experiences. And today's guest is going to help us see what we can do with those experiences and where we can take them. Some things along the way that he's picked up that he's sharing with us today are extremely important. You have the ability to pivot slightly with what you've been given in order to get what you can have. Um, today's guest, uh, wow, it's a great conversation. You want to listen to this one, uh, is a practicing anesthesiologist and interventional pain specialist. And he's been practicing for 16 years. Some of the things that he's done along the way. Uh, is, is awesome. And we're going to have, we're going to have to have him back for sure. He was a seed investor of a little known, little company called, uh, Sky Zone now. Uh, and if you're like me, you've probably taken your children there a time or two, or you've even jumped on a trampoline yourself there. So, so, so intriguing to see how that, uh, first investment turned into this massive company. Uh, he's also involved in multiple real estate investments, uh, you know, multifamilies, um, really cool stuff. And he also co-founded Ventus Pharma Company. Now, this is interesting where you're stacking up these experiences. You have these ideas. You create these patent products. You grow from there. He's grown a global company. Today, our guest, please welcome Dr. Jeremy Polson to the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Mogul MD Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and taking control of your financial future. This is a show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you actionable real-world experience to help you live life by design. You'll hear journeys and stories from other physicians, investors, coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, Brett Riggins. All right, off to another uh, conversation here. I'm excited um, to tie into the couple of the nuggets that you threw us before we got started here. Um, and first of all, welcome to the show. And do you go by, I, I never asked this to everybody. I kind of like, we jump into these conversations and I never asked, do you go by Dr. Polson or do you go by Jeremy? How does that work? Like I'm an outside, I'm not a physician. Yeah, right. So how does that work? Uh, my friends call me JP and my patients call me Dr. Polson. Interesting. Outside of the op the hospital, I prefer to be known as JP or Jeremy. Yeah, I guess I guess I kind of always stumble through that. And through some of the conversations, the listeners probably hear me out. You know, I'm typically on a first name basis, you know, um, but, you know, sometimes Feel free to call me JP. So I will do that. I will do that. Yes. JP. Uh, sometimes I'll throw in the doctor in there because I know there's some, I mean, there's, there's meaning in it, right? I mean, you guys, you have something called a career education, right? And outside of the medicine world, I learned that, um, you know, uh, doing this podcast, but outside it's just called college, right? So there's so much that goes into that. And then residency, attending, fellowship, all of this stuff. I mean, there is a lot that goes into it to earn that. So we always want to respect that. And first of all, thank you for putting in the time to go through all those hoops and hurdles to give back to us, to help people like me who go and uh, do call you Dr. Polson. Well, I appreciate that, Brett. Awesome. You know, um, growing up, I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I had a fascination with Japan. And so, uh, I got my degree in Japanese literature and <clears throat> actually worked in Japan for a couple of years. 
And while I was there, I kind of became disenfranchised with the how they did business in Japan. It was business above everything else. And, you know, I wanted to be a family man and have a family and spend time with them. And so uh, after doing that, I came back to the States and went to medical school. So I was kind of a non-traditional medical student at that. So I appreciate you uh, acknowledging that. But yeah, so I'm here I am. In in the non-traditional path, what was it about Japan that stood out to you? Well, I actually uh, went on a mission there for my church. And, and while I was there, I just fell in love with the place. And so I, uh, while I was there, I learned how to speak it fluently. But I, you, you know, the ability to read and write it um, significantly lacked. And so that's why I focused on Japanese literature and business when I came back. Um and graduated with that degree. I also did my pre-medicine uh, prerequisites uh, prior or concurrently with with my other majors. Very cool. So off to Japan, then back and in, into med school, and uh, just give us a little bit of background before we jump into the other stuff on on what it is about medicine that that brought you back. Right? What what drew you? from Japan back here into medicine. Like, tell us a little bit about that and then where you're at now, JP. Yeah, I think it was more of that desire that I had as a child, something that I had always thought I wanted to do. After going to Japan, falling in love with the culture, uh, you know, I could envision myself and my and my family, you know, growing, raising our kids there, you know, whatnot. But like I said, after after uh, being there, I realized that it wasn't my passion. I loved business. I loved um, being involved with with business, but I knew that my passion lied in in medicine, and so I went with that with my gut and my passion. And and now you put people to sleep, huh? Yeah. So I uh, I do both <laughs> anesthesiology and uh, and interventional pain management. So I. I kind of spend a couple of days doing anesthesia and then uh, three days doing, doing pain management, keeps things fresh, keeps things from being becoming too mundane. Yeah. And along the way, I'm sure that some of this has um, passed into, and I, I talk about it on here a lot, JP, these, everybody's got their own journey. And along this journey, you have these very unique stack of experiences and it's how we, I guess, create the opportunity in our journeys, um, leveraging kind of like an infinite mindset, the idea that I can do this. I don't know how to do this, but I can do this. And then I can lean on these groups and stacks of experiences to do this. So I'm hearing your, your business, your travels, your, uh, the anesthesiology, the pain medicine and how in this, I guess, how do all of this combine into this, um, the pharmacy, right? That's the pharmacy that you started. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, as a med student and, and as a resident, you know, we were as poor as you could get. Um, my first child, my son was born th- uh, four weeks before I started medical school. I had a daughter born while I was a third year medical student and then two that followed. But um, while I was in residency, I uh, needed to find a way to make some extra money. And so I started an online marketing firm for my for my grandfather's business. 
And my wife and I ran that while I was in residency. Um, and then uh, I finally finished residency, uh, started to work a couple of years. And, my, you know, that business itch really started to I wanted to scratch it. So uh, not having the time to really devote um, myself fully into business, I uh, decided to do some uh, investing. And so um, initially I started to, you know, really focus on uh, investing in my 401k, my uh, IRA, my, you know, Roth IRA. Um, traditional stuff, all the traditional stuff. And then in 2011, I was uh, presented a unique opportunity to invest into a trampoline park, if you will. Uh, the first one was in Greenville, South, or I'm sorry, in uh, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Second one was in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, third one was in Columbia, South Carolina. We kind of bundled those into a couple LLCs and then We've spun those off into into some uh, acquisitions by a VC and 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 then a larger uh, private equity firm. Uh, currently, we have over 350 parks that um, are operational. They we acquired um, SkyZone and we have now incorporated all the parks which were individually named into the SkyZone uh, family. Some of them are franchise. Some of them are, are corporate owned. Um, when I when I received uh, a, a, a decent payout from that, it was in about 2016. At that time, uh, there was a local anesthetic that, as an anesthesiologist, we do a lot of nerve blocks. A local anesthetic for nerve blocks that la- that, that, that they touted lasted uh, up to three days. Which, if you've had any type of orthopedic uh, surgery, you know how painful they can be. And, and those blocks are really saving graces for people who've had orthopedic surgeries. So uh, this general surgeon friend of mine and myself and a, and a nurse anesthetist, we kind of put our heads together because the, the, the product that I was speaking of was really cost prohibitive. And I was on the uh, pharmaceutical Medical uh, department of the, of the of the hospital that I work at, and we decided that it was it was just prohibitively expensive to invest in. So at that time, we we decided that we were going to come up with our own formulation, and uh, we patented that in 2017, I believe. And um, since then, and then we started Ventus Pharma in 2019. Uh, Ventus Pharma currently is selling that product uh, called Endura KT, Endura Kit, and we are in the uh, FDA approval process for what will be called Endura Cane, and that's a that's a long long acting local anesthetic for nerve blocks that will compete with um, Exprel on the market. So that's that's not a pharmacy. That's a pharmaceutical company making this specific product, and that's I guess leads into more of the the mission or um, just the the pushing behind Ventus Pharma is developing these medicines that are better aligned with your experiences in anesthesiology and um, in the pain uh, management stuff. 
Correct. Yeah. Our, our mission was really that we wanted fi- to find an alternative that was safe, reliable, and and not cost prohibitive. So affordable for hospitals. Mm-hmm. You know, everything in, in medicine is so inflated when it comes to price. And we see that, you know, especially when you're on the uh, pharmaceutical and therapeutics committees of these of hospitals, you see firsthand how much these items um, are are being sold to the hospitals for. So that was that was that was really our driving uh, mission from the get go was to create a product that was ineffective, cheap, cheap ineffective, affordable and uh, and reliable. And, uh, and so in the process, we've, that patent has been, we've patented that now in, uh, uh, 40 plus countries. Um, like I said, we're in the FDA approval process, um, with Enduracane. We just, uh, partnered with a company from Denmark to bring a, uh, two separate drugs, uh, into our, on our platform. And then we just developed a, uh, device to be used in in the the operating rooms uh called safe talk wow wow that is massive um congratulations on all of that and we're kind of just kind of hopscotching through this stuff yeah, those right, are right. massive Apologize. <laughs> those are massive massive things man let me let me bounce back a little bit to a world i'm a little more familiar with is the real estate world and the investing world and this little i this little thing called sky zone um and the ability to be kind of like that seed investor, you called it, to get in something like this. So what did that look like the first time, the first opportunity where somebody comes to you and says, hey, JP, we got this thing. And what we're going to do is put some trampolines all over. We're going to put these trampolines on the wall. I mean, this is going to be crazy. What did that look like? How did that first come about? Or see the shows, they want to build a zoo. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. What What did they say? Uh, Ten seconds of of extreme courage or something to that extent. Yeah. That's, that's what it looked like because it was not a paltry sum of money that I was um, investing. Um, And so, you know, as an investor um, you have to take risks and you um, I think the important thing, whenever you invest any type of money, even in the stock market that you do your diligence and that you um, uh, work through the business model in your own mind, go through the pro pro forma in your own mind and see if what is being presented to you makes sense in your own mind. Um, and that's kind of what, what happened. Um, it was, it was scary because we were building a house at the same time. And I, you know, it was, uh, as with anything you do in life, unless you're willing to take a risk, um, you're probably not going to get where you want to be financially. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There have been several things that I've invested in that have, you know, fallen flat on their face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so everything's not going to be a home run. I think the important thing is that you, uh, that, that if you want to create financial freedom for yourself, you stick to a pattern of, uh, living below your means, being um, exact in your savings when it comes to your your retirement accounts and all the other 
you know, traditional methods that you can save money and invest money. And then what you have left over, then, then you can kind of look for some of these gem, these, these gems that are kind of hidden out there. And this opportunity, um, it was, was there real estate involved in this? Were you, were you guys acquire? I mean, that first, uh, business plan, was that to acquire real estate or was it to rent space? So good question. So the, the first couple ones, we, we signed leases. But then as we uh, grew larger, the opportunity came about for us to be able to uh, build some of the buildings that we would eventually uh, then lease back to uh, the company. Um, and we were able to, to uh, kind of bundle those off and, and sell them in, to a REIT. Um, and then I used that money uh, instead of, you know, going and buying crazy stuff, I actually bought a couple of condominiums in a 40, uh, a 40 apartment complex. Nice. Uh, apartment complex. That's awesome. That is awesome. And going into this, JP, what was your experience with, uh, I, I mean, I heard your passion for business. These are, um, very intricate, intricate pieces that not only have you executed properly, but you've taken the the returns and now it's compounding because of what you're doing with them. So into this process, I mean, how much did you know? Did you come in as like a limited partner? Was it some type of syndication where it was a direct partnership with the the business, with the pitcher? Um, are you talking about with the trampoline parks? Or yes, the... Sky Zone. Yep, yep. Yeah. So no, we were we're partners and still are. Uh, well, it, it's a it's a now C Corp, but yeah, we're we're a, a, a shareholder. Yeah, um, but initially they were all individual LLCs that we were partners in. Wow, wow, very cool. And and the same with the uh, with the real estate, we were partners in that. Um, and when I say we, so when we made the initial. We, me and two other friends created an investment company called the Launchpad. And the Launchpad is what we've used to, um, kind of fund launch. these investments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Launch. That's so awesome. I'm intrigued. I won't get tongue up on this too long. Just intrigued of the whole process coming together and, um, of these intricate pieces. Did you have a mentor that helped you through or presented different ideas to weigh? Um, you know, to, to put these, obviously you, you took the risk. You took that, that was it 10 seconds of courage, right? To get through this. And you took that risk. You started taking action. But then as opportunities started happening, tell us a little bit about that growth, um, in you as well as a, a, I mean, at that point, are you not like the venture capitalist as you're launching these, you know, this, uh, progression? I guess in a sense I was, um, Although, I, you know, in the in the deals that I was doing, I, it was I was a, at least a, a larger I was a large percentage and I had hands on um, and if they were LLCs that, you know, it wasn't uh, I wasn't investing money in hands off um, like my real estate company. Now it's me and one other partner that we we own um our real estate portfolio um we have managers that manage it for us and then as far as uh mentors gosh you know i spent i'm i'm kind of um i have ADD 
And I just, I'm always going. I, I always like to keep working and moving. I've kind of settled down in the past couple of years. Um, but I would come home from my day job and I would, if there wasn't something that I didn't know about something or if there was, if there was something that I was unclear of, I would, I would research it. Um, and I would, you know, I would research, you know, cap rates and I would research whatever, whether it was real estate, whether it was trampoline parks, um, I, I went about it in this, in the same manner. I, what I, if I didn't understand something to the point where I felt like I could explain it to someone else in a, in a way that they would understand it, uh, then I would keep studying. If you can't simply explain something, then you simply don't know it. I've so many times, even with, you know, I think I just told my, my son that earlier today, just, I mean, I, if I can't explain it simply, then I don't know it enough. And I, I just had a conversation a couple of days ago to JP about the ability for physicians to take what they do in med school and then just pick up and pivot into whatever investment asset class it may be. And this is a perfect example where you've pivoted that that drive to know, to understand to the nth degree into where you can spin it back and not read a, a lecture book to somebody, but you can simply put it because you simply understand it. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, med school, residency, the, uh, you, you have to be, especially if you want to, you know, get into a competitive, uh, residency training program. And even if you don't, frankly, just to get through medical school, uh, you've got to be driven and you have to know how to study. Um, and I, you know, if I, if I think if there's one regret I have is that I, I probably studied and spent far too much time on these side hustles and didn't focus enough time on my, on my kids and my family. Uh, especially now that my two oldest are gone and out of the house, um, you know, sometimes it can be become intoxicating to work. And I didn't do it necessarily to make money per se. I, I did it uh, for the just to broaden my my wealth of knowledge to um, to feel like. You know, when you go to work as a as a physician, especially as an anesthesiologist, and uh, unlike say a home builder or a car builder or someone who constructs something, or you can you can actually see the the results of of your labors. A lot of times, you come home and you're like, "Well, I put someone to sleep, I resuscitated someone; they're still alive, but you can't see with your own eyes what you do." Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that in small part, um, has led me to want to do some of these things that I can actually see with my own two eyes, looking at a pro forma, looking, looking at a business plan and then watching that de- business t- plan develop into an actual business. That's, that's awesome. And that, that, that one regret, um, with time and I hear it a lot and I've, um, someone I look up to is my father-in-law. He was, did a lot in business, um, and spent a lot of time with the business away from the family. So, you know, we talk about that a lot. And I still have this thing in me, JP, that happens. My brain, it just can't turn off. Like when I see, 
that, that's a limiting belief. I just, when I say it, I it want to say it to myself. But, it, but it's, I, it's, it's so hard to yeah. um, talk yourself back from that space and yeah. allow yourself to, 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 to not, especially when you're so goal-oriented and motivated to accomplish something, you have to see it through. At least that's how I, that's how I've been. Yep. And, uh, I, like I said earlier, the past couple of years, I've pivoted, uh, quite a bit. I actually watch shows on Netflix. Um, I'll listen to podcasts every once in a while. I'll, uh, I'll do something other than build a business. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my wife tells me all the time, no more businesses, no more businesses. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. But in that path, JP, it's like this idea uh, where I tell myself I can't stop, where it's like I don't even recognize when it's happening. But I feel like when I get in the flow of creation and there's like I can feel the pieces connecting in my mind. It's like I just want to keep driving that path down because I know that it almost feels like there's something tangible on the other side. And I have trouble getting my brain to stop and say, okay, you know, especially now everybody's virtual for us. Uh, my whole entire company is virtual, virtual acquisitions in real estate. And I, I'm, you know, I live my life in a t-shirt, but the problem of that is I, I'm standing in my house now. So it's just as easy for me to come to the office in my house, you know, as it is to go watch TV or something. So there's that side effect of always being around work and, and, you know, not stepping away. So that's a whole nother thing in of itself. This For was sure. the drive, uh, JP, that also became fruitful with um, the pharmaceutical approach too. And then you've paired these things together, uh, you know, to stack, uh, you know, you're talking about um, getting patents and stacking companies and now you're global. You know what I mean? You've got, you're growing this thing and now you get to the point where you're, you're giving back. And I think you said it best when you say affordable, it's not cheap. Um, it's affordable solutions. And, and in real estate, it's the same way for us to thinking, I need affordable solutions. I need affordable homes. I don't want cheap stuff. Um, there's a difference there. So now you're, you're able to do this on a whole nother platform. And man, you're pairing these things together. It's just, it's amazing to sit back and, and to listen. But also to learn from, you know, like the, the saying, like, if you had one regret, you know, to have that time with your family. Um, to, so those are learning points that everybody, you know, can hear too. What were, what would you say some of the challenges for you? What was the biggest challenge for you as a physician turning to, you know, outside of that traditional investment? You know, to going non-traditional to whether it is real estate or the business startup or, you know, developing a, a, a pharmaceutical product to um, patent. What was the biggest jump or challenge for you as a physician? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, you know, as I sit back and think about uh, that moment when I went from, OK, so I went from residency and I'm now an attending and I'm uh finally making money right i think one of the hardest things for me at that moment was not to uh raise my lifestyle to my what my income was to live below my means when i was young i read a couple books that really impacted me one was 
the richest man in Babylon, and the other one was the millionaire next door. Um, <clears throat> those two books had a profound impact on how I viewed life um, as even as a teenager, um, and that is carried over into into my professional life. I see a lot of my colleagues who, you know, and I I can't say I blame them. Right, you 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 put yourself through medical school residency. You're living. I, you know, in, in, in medical school, we had two kids, we were on food stamps, uh, you know, having literally no money to now I'm, I'm an attending and whoa, I, I honestly could not believe the first time I saw how much money was in my bank account, mm-hmm. but, um, having fostered that, uh, you know, that practice of saving money and putting money away, no matter what, um, has served me well. Because when the opportunity presented itself in 2011 to invest as much money as I did into the trampoline parks, I had it. That opportunity, I was able to take advantage of it because I had been very persistent about saving money. So success happens when opportunity meets preparedness. And we can talk about all of these self-development, little one-liners, little zingers. But the thing is, when you find yourself um, in in that self-realization state, in these moments of massive growth, those little one-liners or those little zingers make sense, man. And this is the perfect For thing. Sure. Like, in that idea, those two books, Richest Man in Babylon and The Millionaire Next Door, mind blowers. I I mean, I get yeah. goosebumps talking about it and the listeners couldn't see me instantly smile when you mentioned those two books and just the, the mindset shift um, that happens, should happen. If it doesn't happen, read them again, read them again, read them again, read them again until you get that mindset shift of um, just where to go and how to do it. And The Millionaire Next Door was a book my wife read it about a year before I did. And I, she's like, she's constantly telling me, you got to read this book. You got to read this book because I am a spendthrift. <clears throat> I have the tendency, let me correct myself here again, JP. I have the tendency to be a spendthrift. I'm working on this. But that same idea of, um, you know, I feel like I've earned something, right? I feel like I've earned, just like you're saying, going through all those years, med school, uh, residency, and then boom, you get this money. And then, you know, I'm sure you got that creep, the lifestyle creep. And, you know, there's uh, the idea that things expand to the limits that you give it. And there's this, for me, it's like, I deserve this. I deserve to drive this car. I deserve to buy this house. Right. And you fought that. And that is where the one line zinger comes in because you stayed consistent and persistent. You stayed intentional on what you were doing and you were prepared. You were prepared to strike. And those strikes yeah. paid off. So everybody listening, I'm hoping that it's connecting. Um, I'm hoping that they would research, get that book, hoping that the research would show them and lead them into this different mindset because it is, um, it is everything that triggers. It's not just a mistake when things like these happen. No, both, both books are, I mean, you can read them and, you know, together in a couple of hours that they, they, they're very quick reads. But as you said, um, you, they're books that I, I know I've read both books multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, that and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, the, you know, the, those books have so many important concepts and principles in them. 
and the other thing that I've learned is, um, you know, it's never too late to start. Uh, you can be 40, 50 years old, still working. And there's no reason you can't start doing some of these, the principles that are, that are described in that, in that book. And then, you know, it's, it's those guiding principles that lead you down the pathway that opportunity finds you. You you really don't have to go looking very hard or searching very far to find opportunities that, that not just give you the, the chance to, to grow your wealth, but then you, you, you meet people who are like-minded who um, view life through the same lens that you do, uh, whose values, you know, mesh with yours. Uh, those are the people that I personally want to work with. Yes, absolutely. I, it made me think of, it was a story out of one of these books, and it may even have been one of these that we just mentioned. Um, the story of uh, a, a dad reading the newspaper uh, in the morning, I can't remember which book this was from. And the kid comes up running to him. Hey, dad, hey, dad, let's go play catch. And he's like, let me finish this. I'm going to read the paper and then we'll go play catch. Um, he comes up again uh, and he says, let's go play catch. So the dad wants to sidetrack the kid and takes a page of the paper out, rips it up and says, here, put the puzzle together. And when you look down at this piece of paper is is uh, the world. Uh, and it was just a really difficult puzzle. He's like, oh, this is going to keep the boy busy for hours, right? And the next thing you know, 10 minutes later, this, the kid's like, hey, dad, let's go play catch. I finished the puzzle. And he was, he was dumbfounded. He's asked the kid, hey, how did you, how did you get that done so fast? He's like, it was easy, dad. It's the table. The table is glass. I looked under the table and on the other side of that, there's a picture of a man. All I had to do was put the man together and the whole world came together. So I can't remember which book that was, JP, but it's it goes into exactly what we're talking about. Man or woman, whatever it may be, it's the mind. You put the mind together and we touched into getting into associations there, surrounding yourself with the people that that are doing what you want to do and the way that you want to do it. The values align. And then another piece is disassociation is important too. not being around the people who are naysayers, who are negative, who always present a problem and not a solution. Right. And those challenging times, JP, is when you're related to those people. That makes it tough. Yeah, it makes it tough, man. I can't tell you how many uh, how many of my own family members told me I was crazy to invest in the trampoline park. Yeah. Can you can you imagine the insurance, JP? That is a nightmare. Did you hear that before? Oh, it, yeah, <laughs> it was a nightmare. But you, you yeah. know, again, if you listen to the naysayers, you won't do anything. You won't leave the house in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I we ended up self uh, self insuring anyway after after a yeah. while. But yeah, have you ever heard of captive insurance companies? I have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just I know that's kind of like it's out there. I don't know of too many people that do it, but I think like that would almost be a similar situation when it's everything has progressed so well where you're holding that um at the top of basically the hierarchy mm-hmm. to capture something like that. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Well, man, I think And I could I, I think we could go into intricacies of Geez, you could get into cost segregation in real estate oh, yeah. to, um, you know, putting a board together for, uh, Ventus. Um, there's, there's so many other aspects to each one of these silos. Yeah. Uh, that, that somehow I've created in my life 
um, you know, sometimes keeping them straight myself is, is challenging, but, um, <laughs> it, it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me engaged for sure. That's, that's brings up a great question. How do you keep it straight? I mean, how do you, uh, you know, most of the time when the commas start moving, um, it's not that you get hardened to the numbers, but it makes it more complex most of the time. Um, it requires more, more time to track. It requires more people to depend on and therefore trust. How do you keep all this straight? Uh, I'm very organized. Uh, you know, I, I keep things very organized. Um, but then you, you said it just then you have to surround yourself with good people. Um, when we decided to bring on a CEO for, for Ventus, we vetted several people. And again, it came down to, uh, someone who, had shared values, shared cores, shared work ethic, and, you know, just timing, timing and luck, um, kind of collided. And, um, so, but, but I think, like I said earlier, if, if, if you are, uh, principled enough and, and dedicated enough to a, a certain path, those luck doesn't, won't just happen. It, it will, uh, Divine intervention, I believe, uh, will play, will play a big role there. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. If you, if you did had a, if you, I guess, could think of one tool, what's one tool in your toolbox that helps you stay organized? Google drives, Google drive, Google drive. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got several Google drives and I just have those things organized to a T. JP, have you ever heard of Airtable? I have not, man. <laughs> I I don't sell Airtable. I'm just getting into Airtable. Um, man, mind blowing. Look it up. Is yeah, it so, to Google Drive. Yeah, so Google Drive is basically like a storage place for, um, I guess yeah. assets. Say, um, you know, PDFs, Google Sheets, uh, you know, all Google Docs. Um, Airtable is like the Google Sheets that ties all that together. And there's automations and integrations that can happen inside of this thing. Um, it's like a user-friendly development application. And then from there, you can go on and move to something else. Because like I said, everybody has their own journey and you stack these experiences up. So you have uh, a need to keep certain things straight that probably are unlike many other people's needs. They may be similar a little bit, but you have very, I mean, you got your own little uh, ADD pieces in there too. You got to tie in, right? Even though I yeah, don't need absolutely. to look at this, I need to look at this. But Airtable allows you to just um, take a base and manipulate it, and it's 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 amazing. Um, and for us, for me, that's my latest thing that uh, is giving me the trouble in my mind, turning it off because I, I could do this, and if I link this here, and you know, it, because for me, it's keeping things organized and straight. Um, my niche is the single family niche and we are, you know, not scaling to a massive size of a hedge fund, but we're putting in a lot of offers. We're looking at a lot of deals. Once those offers go through, you know, I've got to track them. I've got due diligence. I've got, I mean, there's so much, right. And how do you do this? But for me, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Um, and I learned that about a year ago, um, I, I'd lost one of my, acquisition managers to a hedge fund. And um, 
I was happy. He was a really close friend of mine. He had been with me for about a year. So I was, it worked out. I got to learn a little bit about the hedge fund operations at that time. And he told me, he's like, you got to get Airtable. Back then, I'm like, man, like went over my head. Like, that's too much for me. I'm, I'm not that big, you know. And now I, it took me a year to learn what I needed to put into Airtable, basically. But now that I'm there, it's 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 fascinating. I did mention this the other day to another physician, and it was they were on top of it. So I, it may be a, a good look for you, man. I, I don't. I've got my time is is uh, minimal right now. So yeah. you know, I and what like I said earlier, when I'm when I'm not doing one of my you know however many to-do lists that I've yep. got. Um, I'm trying to spend time with my family. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Completely understand. Time is important. And again, JP, thank you for your time this yeah, evening. Um, I'm on Eastern. You're on Central. It's a little later in the evening here when we're recording this. So, man, I just I just thank you so much. Um, sincere gratitude. And I was thinking of this term today. Um, I don't know if there's a better way to put it. Like omnipresent gratitude like if there's a way that you could just have what gratitude for things that have happened things that are happening things that will happen um and align yourself and your perspective with that it's things things there's that there's that magnetic draw no that question to, to gratitude man for yeah, sure. no question gratitude is uh it's everything. I mean, the, yep. the minute the minute you let, start taking things for granted is the minute uh, things start to slip out of grasp. I believe yes. the little things, man. The little things, yeah. all, the little things make the big things for sure. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. One last thing: if you could go back fifteen years and tell yourself something or someone like you who is on maybe a similar path, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a good question. I would probably tell them uh, that persistence pays off. Um, The other thing I would tell them is don't ever sacrifice uh, who you are um, for what you perceive as something greater. And then the last thing is don't give up what you want the most for what you want at the moment. Yeah, I like that one. Delayed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to chew on those for a while. I love asking that question because I love being taught. Um, and thank you again for sharing your, your time this evening, uh, being that you are away from your family this evening and sharing that with us and the listeners today. So thanks again, JP. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Brett. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, to the listeners, wow, what a joy today was in this conversation. Um, I think, man, I think we may have to have JP back at some point and just tie into some of these other things. Uh, maybe I can shoot him a Airtable baseboard that we could have one of his VAs take a look at and say, JP, we got this for you. Let me give you your time back. But to the listeners, the listeners out there today, thank you so much, whether you're um, wandering through the, the, you know, the, the hospital as a resident. Uh, maybe you're attending, maybe you're in med school, maybe, maybe you're in fellowship. Maybe you're at the point now where you're ready to turn and get some of your time back. We appreciate that you're focusing on yourself and your mindset, um, this evening and giving us your attention. Um, because we, we love sharing this stuff with you guys. So thank you for your time and we'll see you on the next one.